Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. This week's episode is brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services, and now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at bucksislands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. Also brought to you by Baker's Metal Works and Dixie Supply. Baker Metal Works and Dixie Supply offer numerous items to help you get your project done right the first time. They carry a variety of different panel profiles in your choice of colors and gauges with all the matching trim and accessories. They also offer a full line of hardware items and post-frame building designs. Their friendly and knowledgeable sales representatives are always willing to help answer any questions or concerns you may have. Contact them with any questions or get a free estimate today. Baker's Metal Works and DC Supply, your metal roofing headquarters. What's up, guys? Hope everybody's doing well in Alabama or wherever you may be listening to the show today. Man, I usually start off, uh, or I like to start off saying it's a beautiful day in Alabama. Uh, it, it's not a beautiful day. It's it's uh, Thursday, and it's raining, um, but it's cooling off a little bit. Looks like we've been spoiled with some of that early weather that's a little warmer than we sometimes expect this time of year but it's like it's fixing to cool back off but man i know that the crappie fishermen have been happy the last few days i'm seeing a lot of great pictures from the bass guys as well and uh i can't wait to get the show started and see what's going on around the state so segment one today let's get our old buddy jake maddox on here what's going on jake uh, not too much. Just hanging out at Mark's Outdoors. Uh, stepped out for a minute. I'm in the parking lot. So uh, good day to talk fishing bait um, when everybody's not on the water and in the shop. That's exactly right, man. Well, I, I hate I miss you up there today. Uh, I was up at Mark's a couple of days ago getting some stuff myself. And uh, man, if I'd have known you was going to be there, I'd have waited and went today and, and hung out with you and, and uh, let you buy me for some sure. lunch. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, how's the, uh, I know that the, you know, kind of tournament season is kicking up and you guys are, I mean, it's man, the fish are, fish have been biting, haven't they? Yeah, they've been, they've been biting pretty well. Um, we just got done with our first time of the year at Eufaula. I kind of, you know, missed the ball on that one for sure. Hate to say, cause that's one of my, my favorite place on earth, to be honest with you. And, you know, didn't have the great tur- a tournament that I needed to have, but it's all right. You know, it's something cool. I learned a lot that week about a place I know I've got a lot of history on. Thought I pretty much wouldn't say I know everything out there, but I, I know how that place fishes, and it fish completely different than anything I've ever seen out there. So it's cool that fishing's so awesome because it changes so much. You can't ever master um, the sport of fishing, and it's, it's always evolving. It's always changing it. So that's yeah, cool. It- it's a home experience, and... I'm um, ready just to go to the next one for sure. Yeah, it, it's amazing how we we go to these lakes that we think we know so well, and and somebody that maybe has never even been on the lake before comes in there and kicks our rear because we got this preset notion, you know, of where we're going to catch them. Absolutely. And by God, we're just bound and determined we're going to catch them there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, no uh, stick with it no too doubt. long. Probably. One, yeah, I uh, that one gives me nightmares still. I mean, I'm specifically signing up for the toyota series just to get revenge out there i'm so mad but you know that's in the past 
nothing we can do about it. All we can do is catch them at the next ones and, you know, salvage some points by just catching them, you know. That's all, all we know how to do is catch them, so that's what we got to go do. So Yeah, that's right. But other than that, um, you know, fishing in Alabama has been pretty stellar. It's been tough the past couple months, to be honest with you, but things have started to really heat up. The spawn is on in full swing for most of the state. I know the North Alabama guys, I know they're still – a lot of fish that are pre-spawn. There's a lot of fish that are pre-spawn still in every lake in Alabama. There's also a lot of post-spawners. So we're kind of in that time zone where there's a lot going on. But that first real big wave today is was today, March the 9th. We got a full moon. We had a warming trend up until now. These fish are still going to spawn even with cold weather that we got predicted. They know it's time and they're going to do their thing. So it's a great time to get on, get on the water this time of year. A uh, couple baits you can always have tied on the deck. No one of that is a float worm, just a methylate or a bubblegum float worm. Um, it's great, especially when it gets a little bit tougher because it's just something that you can always rely on to get bites. Yeah, man. And, and, and I was going to ask you, and you just answered That's one of the things I was wondering. You know, fish are moving up, but now I'm seeing some, some 31 degree nights out there with, you know, highs in the 40s, low 50s again. Water's going to cool back off some. Uh, so I was really interested to see what your take was going to be on how that would affect the fish. Yeah, I I would. I mean, they've got the ABT coming up. The the one thing that's going to affect this fish out there at Lay is the water drop. And I've heard from several people of the waters really starting to fall. That can definitely back some fish up. But as far as like the rest of the the lakes on the Coosa, Talpoosa, Chattahoochee, everywhere else, the cold won't really affect them if they're already up there doing the deal. They may back off certain areas but they're not going all the way back to the main lake unless they're spawning on the main lake if they're in a protected pocket or anything most of the time too i mean the fish are locked on they're paired up like earlier this week there's fish that would still be up there if there wasn't any weather change are still going to be the ones that are up there um like even the elite series in chickamauga last year there's guys catching them off the bed in the snow because the week before was 70 or 80 degrees you know what i mean so right if they're already up there doing it they'll stay there but it may just put a hold on anything that's continuing to come up there if that makes sense yeah that makes absolute sense absolutely so what are you kind of on the on the coosa right now talapusa you you talked about a trick worm is, is that kind of do you slow down and this time of year yeah. or are you still so i mean I'm, you're usually a pretty fast-paced fishing guy I'm pretty fast-paced, but this time of year, uh, in the spring, soft plastics usually dominate tournaments. Early in the spring, you know, you're going to have your traps, you know, your chatterbaits, that kind of stuff, which still play. I mean, there's always going to be pre-spawn and post-spawn fish that you kind of fish for outside those spawning areas with those hard baits. Mm-hmm. But this time of year, when there's actually fish up on the bed, and, you know, this is we're recording this podcast on March the 9th, and, you know, whenever someone listens to this, it may be warm again. Who knows? But a, a soft plastic is really, really key in the springtime, whether it be flipping it on a lightweight or throwing a wacky rig or throwing a floating worm. Those are going to be my key baits this time of year. Uh, I will still move around a little bit quicker in this spawning area, something like a chatterbait or um, like a Kitek or a pro swimmer is the one I've been using now from Big Bite Bait. They use like the 3.8 to 4.8 size. I like the little bit bigger size just because I like catching big ones. On a five aught, like flashy swim hook is great around boat docks, that sort of thing. And chatterbait's good for covering water, but when I'm 
another bait for coming water is that float worm. You can slow down a little bit, but it's great. Well, and that's what I was I was just about to ask you. You know, we talk a lot about a, a lot of different baits on here. A floating worm is not one that we have really talked about a lot and, and how you fish it. And, I mean, is that, you know, when I think of floating worm, I mean, I'm you're just below the surface or I, I don't know. There's different ways to do it. Yeah. So it's a very dominant bait where I live. I live on Lake Martin and it's a very dominant bait there, especially for spawning spotted bass because they'll spawn a little bit deeper um, and you can cover so much water with it. but Merthiolate is the color. I don't know really how to describe it other than it's like an orangey, pinky, red, super bright, it hurts your eyes kind of color. And in the springtime, you know, all you hear about is a red chatterbait or red trap, that kind of thing. It just kind of goes along with the same principle. Those fish have been in deep water. They start to move up. Their eyes are starting to adjust. They want something bright, something that makes them mad almost. Especially a spotted bass, you know, anything that comes over his bed and something super bright and annoying kind of that's what they really like or really don't like so they eat it but the way i fish it if i'm gonna fish anywhere on the coosa river um i normally texas rig it with like a three aught what do they call those hooks i blanked on it not an ewg but the other one just a um can't believe i forgot what it's called that's all right just a three aught hook i mean that's a you know texas rig and and yeah just a texas rig worm hook and then uh, what I'll do at Lake Martin is um, I'll actually use a straight shank hook and I'll leave it completely exposed because the spotted bass, you know, like to hit it and run with it. And I feel like I get a better hookup with a exposed hook, but I'm also fishing clay points with nothing to get snagged. No up grass on, so. or anything, right? Yeah, zero grass. I, that's not something I would throw through the grass at, on the Coosa River or anything like that. But, but yeah, that, that's a really good technique. Um, some guys will are you ju- are you jerking it and like like a jerk bait? Yeah, type? I'll. Um, I'll kind of fish it kind of fast. Like I'll throw it out there and sometimes I'll put a swivel instead of a, a, uh, instead of an actual leader knot just to give me a little bit more weight. Uh-huh. I'll fling it out there and then I'll just twitch it on top of the surface. I don't even care if it, it can be on top of the water most of the time, you know, and then I'll let it, I'll kill it and let it sink a couple inches and keep swimming it back. But it's a pretty fast technique that I can fish around spawners and slow down slightly, but, it's when you need to, yeah. Really what about like a what about like a fluke, man? It sounds similar to that a little bit. Yeah, fluke's great for that too. Similar, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just you're getting a more bait fish profile, and you know, it's it's a great one too. Um, especially like at Lake Martin, I'll usually have them kind of hand in hand because I wouldn't say it's going to happen right now, but probably the next couple of weeks is when you get that herring spawn, and that's I use the same thing with a fluke in the yeah. same areas things is a lot of times the herring will spawn in the same places that the spots will spawn on yeah yeah that's good stuff good stuff man well hopefully uh man that, that's good information i mean if you're gonna have a tip of the day for somebody to come up there that was coming to, to the talapoose or the coosa what would your tip of the day be you know look for those places that are close to deep water for the spawning spotted bass um they're going to be like any of your like little shoals any of the you know places that have just a a warning hazard buoy on it spots love to spawn on that and just cover as much of those until you, you know as much of them as you can until you find them then slow down throw a carolina rig and then for the pocket if you're looking for largemouth look for sandy bottoms they love that heck yeah that's good stuff man hey if somebody wants to call you and book an electronics trip with you i know you're doing that or they want to book a fishing trip with you uh give us your information jake so somebody can get up with you and call you yeah, so my number is 
451-2895. And then my Instagram is jmad underscore fishing. And you can just shoot me a DM there. Um, or my website, which is bassandbros.com. Good stuff, man. Jake, appreciate it as always, brother. And uh, hey, don't let this you fall thing get you down, man. You just got to go do better next time. Yeah, we're going to the land of giants next, uh, Toledo Bend, which has been on a downfall the past couple um, years, but the weights have been incredible. I think it's taken like 35 pounds in the local, you know, 10 boat tournament. Man, so they I are. Think it's good. Yeah, they yeah, are killing think, big um, fish on Toledo Bend right now. I think I've seen a 13 and a 15 caught this year out there. I've seen so, a 14. I, mean, I think it was a 14.3 or 14.6. Just monster fish. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that one. I really like to throw a big bait, and that's the place where they eat big stuff. So eat big either chad. So I'll have that, you know, big swimmer tied on and big glide tied on, and I'm gonna have a ball. When are you going there? Five. We go in the middle of April, so April's like 15th or something like that. Is when we go. Good deal, man. Good deal. I know so, a guy that fishes Toledo. I, I, I'll see if I get some of that inside info. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. All right, Jake, man. I appreciate it as always, brother. Thank you for taking the time and jumping on. All right. Thank you. All right, buddy. Bye. End of another great segment. Well, let's take a couple more minutes and hear from some more of this week's sponsors. This segment was brought to you by the Alabama Fishing Show and Expo. Come explore a huge gathering of fishing boats, tackle, kayaks, custom lures, rods, reels, apparel, marine electronics, fishing accessories, and more at the Alabama Fishing Show and Expo in Gadsden, Alabama, March 10th through 12th at the venue at Coosa Landing. There will be vendors with fishing, marine, and lake salt life related products. Many of the vendors offer multi-species gear for fresh or salt water. Meet pro anglers, take in a seminar, and bring the whole family. March 10th is Military and First Responders Day, and March 11th is Junior Anglers Day, the Alabama Fishing Show and Expo. Also brought to you by Killer Dog. I hadn't even realized how bad it was. I was cleaning fish on rotten wood, and after cleaning just a few fish, I was filthy, and I had a sunburn. I tried wearing a hat, but it just couldn't keep me cool. And how was I supposed to clean fish without getting messy? Killer Dock brings the upgrade that not only will keep me cool and clean, it will make being on my dock enjoyable again. Killer Dock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to check out the greatest fish cleaning station known to mankind. And brought to you by OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt, go fish, get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Great first segment with Jake. Uh, love him and him, having him on here. He's a phenomenal young fisherman and has, man, just got a lot of knowledge on the the Coosa and the Tallapoosa as well as a lot of these other lakes. So thank you, for Jake, for being on here. Let's get up to Gunnersville for segment two. Uh, always love talking about Gunnersville on here. Everybody knows how good it is, and it's that time of year where they're catching Catching big fish. So welcome to the show, Jason Whitehead. What's going on, Jason? Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Been a minute since we had since we had you on. So glad to get you back on here. Yeah, thanks for the invite, buddy. It's been a been a couple months, but I appreciate it. 
Heck yeah. Well, man, let's talk about Gunnersville. I know you've been fishing it a lot lately, uh, as well as other lakes, but, uh, man, it's, it's that time of year in Gunnersville where people start getting a little bit excited. Oh yeah. We're excited. Every, every day I hook the boat up to go to the lake, you never know what you may catch. <laughs> never know it's just that time it's that time of year it is that time of year no doubt about it no doubt about it well uh man let's 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 talk about what you're doing out there and and how you're catching them uh recently in the last let's see two three weeks we've been focusing a lot on the scatter graft whether it be shale beds hard spot rock whatever it may be a lot of scatter grass in that mid-depth eight to twelve foot range a lot of pre-spawners some fish have moved up super super shallow um i've heard reports about some being caught off bed already but our our sweet spot in depth range has been in that eight to twelve foot range and looking for that scattered grass now talk to me about that how do you look for now this grass that you're fishing this this grass is not at the surface correct this is it's underwater so how are you finding this scattered grass and what are you looking for in it we have, so I offer electronics, uh, full electronic tutorials and trips and setups and stuff. So we spend a lot of time graphing and looking. And I spend a lot of days in the boat with new clients that, you know, get, get their equipment, wanting to learn it and dial it in a little bit better. What we do is we'll take onside scan and get in these areas, contour lines, little subtle differences in the contour lines between 12 and 8 foot. We'll set our range on the side scan out to about 80, and we'll just go. Once you get all those, the contrast, your sensitivity set up to where those hard bottoms will really pop, um, you can scan over. You'll just go over, and it'll look like grass under the water. It is submerged, so you're just going through, and you're looking, and it just looks like all grass, and then all of a sudden you'll see scattered clumps and a really bright return, and that's your rock or shell bed gravel bars what it could be anything like that that seems to be where those fish are relating right now just staging waiting to go up well so when you're on side scan you know you you mentioned your contrast and your sensitivity what are you how are you setting your contrast to get that good return on your bottom different than you uh, than you may normally set it I think being in as many boats as I have with different brands whether it be Garmin, Lowrance, Humminbird, every unit is a little bit different whether where the transducers mounted on the boat the type of transducer that it is the manufacturer the the style of unit every i haven't got in two different boats that were exactly the same like every unit's different every boat set up a little bit different but i go like just say for example if i have a, a client called me it's like man look i just woolly boogered this thing all up i can't i don't even know what is going on like it is blurry i can't see nothing we'll jump in it restore defaults get it back to original settings that has set it up kind of happy medium um a hummingbird for example just a we'll just say a helix 12 in that grass that's 8 to 12 foot if you run your contrast so the lower your contrast number on hummingbird the brighter your return uh the higher your contrast number the more detail that you get, but the darker the screen's going to be. So somewhere in that 8 to 10 range um, on contrast, and then I'm constantly adjusting my sensitivity on the fly, either up or down based off of what range I want to look at. So if I want to see 30 foot from the boat, I can turn it sensitivity down to make that really clear. If I want to see something or if I see a grass, a clump of grass, it might be a hard spot next to it out at 70 feet, I'll range and shoot that sensitivity up to make that, pop a little bit better further distance out from the boat 
Is is the side scan what you're mainly? I mean, you obviously we talk about forward facing sonar a lot and live scope. Are you using the side scan more in this situation than you are live scope? Yes. So what we do, we'll go over these spots. Just you'll go out and you'll graph these bays, little backwater areas, stuff like that, and you'll find these spots. You'll just drop a waypoint when you're when you're scanning side scanning. You drop a waypoint on that hard spot, and then you see another hard spot and another hard spot. Just keep dropping waypoints, and then you just spin the boat back around and go back and fish them. Sometimes you can see the fish sitting in the hard spots. Sometimes they're tucked up so close to the grass that that side scan and the way that it reads, you won't be able to see the fish that are closer to the boat that are tucked up to the grass. Other times they'll be in the middle of the hard spot or on the opposite side of the hard spot, and you can actually see whether there's fish there or not. If there's a hard spot in the grass and eight to 12 foot of water, if I see a fish, great. If I don't see a fish, I'm still making a cast. Yeah, that's good info, man. When you're setting up your speed on your side scan, how, how do you like to set your speed up? I'll run mine between two and three. I never go over five because the way that the side scan is actually sending out an image. And I'll try to make this analogy best I can. But if you, if you have a, a photo camera, right, just a still photo camera, and that camera is moving at a certain pace, your your picture is going to be distorted, right? Right. If that camera is more sitting still and has a solid, I mean, you just get a clearer image. So we never run the boat. If you, if you can, I get it. Sometimes you're going downstream and current, and it goes a little bit faster. I'll try to stay between two and a half and never go above four miles per hour. So when I'm scanning, I literally put the motor in gear, and that's it. No throttle. And then I run, um, I have Hummingbird uh, for side scan at my console. Um, I never run the chart speed more than three. And that wow. seems to get the clearest, the clearest detail that you can get. I mean, go just try it. Next time you're on the water, you know, run that chart speed up. Just get going at the steady pace. Run your, your chart speed down to about two or three. And look at the clarity difference between two or three and six or seven. It will, it's mind-blowing. That may be part of what I'm doing wrong on mine is, I've, is, you know, I'm going slower. I'm probably only going two miles an hour, but I got my chart speed going faster, like five or six. Yeah, um, dial that down, man, and to clear it out. That's good info. Good info. Well, and, and I know that, you know, I know that you're, you know, you're doing electronics and going out and teaching people to, to set their units up and what a, what a great deal that is. I mean, because... So many people go out and, and get their new boats, and this is the time of year they do it, and they and they spend all this money on the best electronics, and they, man, they really don't know how to utilize it to the best of their ability. So the service that you're offering is a is a amazing service, for sure, and uh, to teach people to get the most out of it. What's some of the things on the forward facing sonar? I mean, obviously, it's the biggest game changer that we've had in fishing in a long time. But uh, you were saying some things earlier off the air that I have not heard before about how you're utilizing it. So I use, I got, I have Garmin and I'm, I know all of the, the setups and different. I think everybody's look on live, can you see a fish go out there and catch it? Absolutely. But it is a very, very useful tool other than just seeing a fish, specifically targeting that fish and you know, seeing it eat the bait. Is that cool? Absolutely. Can it be used that way? Yep. It just got used that way the last two elite series. 
which who would have thought, right? Okeechobee being one on four facing the sonar, like, holy smoke. But anyway, what I'll do, it, it, with it being a, as good of a tool as it is, I use it a little bit different. Um, like we were talking before, I've been to the lake and went out there, um, had a little free time and been out to the lake and taken three different rods with three different line and the same bait and actually went out and played around with different line sizes based off of how deep that bait's going to run. So if you take an eight-pound test line and a DT6, you may be able to get it down there to about seven or eight feet based off of the distance of your cast. Whereas if you take a DT6 and put it on 12 or 15-pound test at a shorter cast, it may only go three or four foot. So I've actually been out because there are times and there's instances where the you just can't use four facing sonar like it's just not gonna it could be really muddy it could have so much debris in the water there just there may be times that it just you might not be able to see that fish but learning your cadences having clients in the boat with me and us fishing as deep as we were during the winter time this year it will blow your mind at just how slow you have to reel it to get a bait down there to 15 or 20 foot so when you're thinking for somebody that doesn't have live scope, or even if they do, you know, you're fishing blowdowns or, or docks or backwater, whatever it may be, learning that cadence of knowing what your bait's doing and what depth your bait's running at is just the equal amount of a game changer is knowing there's one particular fish sitting on the end pylon. Yeah, that that, that is great insight and, um, and a way to use the forward-facing sonar that we've never discussed on here before, and we discuss it all the time. But you're right. You know, we throw a bait out there. We think we know how deep it's going, but we don't really know how deep it's going. We're just kind of guessing. And that can change, like you said, from the rod or from uh, what pound test line you got on. I mean, all those factors make a difference. And uh, so to know the depth that each of your baits are running uh, with what line, I mean, that's that's amazing insight. That probably would have helped me a couple of days ago shooting docks with my neighbor who absolutely wore my butt out fishing the same jig the same line and uh he he it, it was embarrassing he he put it on me pretty bad and uh i couldn't figure it out but that's the the, the one thing i was thinking in my head and we didn't have live scope but the one thing i was thinking in my head was man he has to be fishing at a little different depth than I am and I'm thinking I'm doing the same but I'm not I, I'm obviously wasn't but to know the depth that your lure is man that's some vital information yep I mean if, if you've been on like I mean just say that you're fishing six foot on on top of the grass and you're getting some bites but you were throwing one square bull crankbait that was diving down too deep in the grass well the amount of time that you save by knowing what other square bills that you can pick up that are going to run four to five foot deep to stay out of the grass based off of that prior that you've done. I mean, it saves you so much time. Yeah. So much time. Yeah. And ultimately catches you more fish. It catches you more fish at the end of the day, instead of you picking up one DT six, or it could be as simple as, man, I'm whacking them on this DT six, but for some reason I can't keep it from burying up in the grass. Oh shoot. I'm throwing an eight pound test line. Let me re-spool it or grab this other rod over here that's got 12-pound on it because I know it'll run a foot and a half higher in the water column. Let yeah. me just retie it on a different rod and make it run up higher. 
So there's all kind of different, man. The floor facing sonar is is one heck of a tool. Yeah, one heck. Not just for seeing the fish, but for for a whole lot of other things too. That's great. That's great information. All right, guys, let's take a couple minutes and hear from some of this week's sponsors. This segment was brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or a lake anywhere in the Southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more health healthy trophy fish than ever before and if you're interested in building a new pond or lake give these guys a call to help evaluate your land and design the best possible body of water for you if you're anywhere in the southeast schedule an obligation free consulting with one of their biologists by calling 1-888-830-POND or check them out on sepond.com also brought to you by Texas Hunter. Since 1954, Texas Hunter Products has produced the best engineered and finest quality feeders and hunting blinds in the industry. The Texas Hunter brand has become synonymous with quality and durability. By sticking to premier standards, the company delivers tough, long-lasting products that meet the real-life needs of anglers and hunters across America. Their fish feeders, deer feeders, hunting blinds, and outdoor accessories are among the highest rated in the industry. You can trust that your purchase from Texas Hunter Products will meet your needs for generations to come. To learn more, visit TexasHunter.com. Also by OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt. Go fish. Get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. As far as this time of year, I mean, you've talked about the depth you're you're catching them and and kind of what you're looking for in that sparse grass and finding holes in it. What lures? What's kind of some of your go tos right now? The lipless crankbait is really good. I mean, it's good year round on Gunnersville. Right now, it's exceptional. You can go out. That's our, our number one beta choice. So we take a lipless, we throw it out, fish it through the grass. Once it hits the hole, you don't feel the grass anymore. You can kind of slow it down a little bit, but keeping that contact. This year, especially more than last year, the chatterbait bite has played big time. Um, I think because there is a lot more vegetation in the lake this year than there has been in previous years. So it just comes through that vegetation a lot better. And also you can reel it a little bit slower then you can a lipless crankbait at times and let it hover over the grass a little bit better. On high pressure days, super, super bright, sunny skies, uh, the Cinco bite's picking up. You know, three sixteenths ounce Texas rig Cinco or just a weightless Cinco, throwing it out there in the grass and kind of letting it come back through um, those scattered holes in the grass. It's been a been a big player for us as well. But if I were to pick three, that would be my that would be my three to have tied on laying on the deck. Well, let me ask you a question, and, and I've asked other people this question before, and I'm, and I'm hoping to find somebody that, that tells me it's not. But is the jackhammer $15, is that chatterbait worth the money? Uh, is it really that much difference than, than the other ones? 
Absolutely. It's worth every penny. <laughs> so I every keep hoping. Penny. Sorry. I I'm going to keep sorry. hoping to find somebody that's like, no, man, just get that $5 one. You'll be fine. <laughs> no, man. I'll take one jackhammer versus three of the regular ones. That jackhammer, it's just built better. I mean, it's got a better snap. It makes more noise. Um, it's got the tungsten head. It's got a better hook. It's got a better keeper. And it's got a hand-tied skirt. Like, if you get out and you catch a bunch of fish on one, you know, those rubber skirts or, or the skirts that aren't hand-tied, they're going to fall apart after a little while. So you get your money in return. You do get your money back out of it, I think, in use. Man, um, there is one other one. I don't know if you heard about this one. Uh, there's a Japan model, the Evergreen, but a Japan model. It's not sold inside the state. It actually has a tungsten blade and a tungsten head. And you're talking about one that makes some noise. It is. It's something else. It's for real, huh? It is for real. Well, I, you echo what everybody else has said, man. That that no, it's uh, get the jackhammer. I know it's hard to pay $15 for a bait, but it's absolutely uh, a game changer and a better and catches more fish than the other ones. So, uh, yeah. So you didn't, you didn't help me any, man. I was trying to, I was trying to cheap it up a little bit. I saw it. I I couldn't be your, I couldn't be your first one on that one. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. Well, it sounds like the fishing is really good up there right now. I mean, we're seeing some big weights. I know the, was it the elite series that was up there a couple of weeks ago? So the Toyota oh, series Toyota, was yeah. here. Yeah. The Toyota series was here. MLS Toyota series a couple of weeks ago. Um, there were big weights and then of course we had some crazy change in conditions that week. So hats off for those guys to catch them like they did, man. I mean, the lake come up three foot, it turned really dirty. There's tons of current. Like, I mean, it, however, those guys caught them. I promise you, they didn't catch them that way in practice. You know, those, they, those guys are, they're no joke. Uh, yeah. Then we had the BFL two weeks ago, or I don't think it was last week. I think it was two weeks ago. And if you had a twenty pound bag, you didn't finish top ten. Dang, that's awesome. Oh yeah, it is. I think can't remember who it was. One of the pros was down. I think had right at twenty. Might have been Jordan Lee. Mm-hmm. I think he was at twenty pounds even. I think he finished fourteenth or fifteenth with twenty pounds even. Wow. So the lakes really produce it, man. Big. Big fish, a ton of numbers, um, go out, scan around, find some. Because when you find one or two, there's typically more um, in that general area. But it's been great. It's amazing that you have a lake like this that there's probably, there may not be many lakes in the country that have more pressure than Gunnersville. And it just keeps producing fish. It's the eelgrass. I mean, the eelgrass, we complain about the eelgrass. Everybody, I mean, even me, like I'll complain because you get a holiday weekend or you get a big tournament with two or 300 boats in it. And, you know, it's just like cutting your lawn. You get all this floating grass everywhere. You can't throw moving baits. It's just a, it's a pain in the neck. But at the same time, if we didn't have it and we didn't have the other vegetation to go along with it, this wouldn't be the fishery that it is. You know, it's good for that reason. It's good for that reason. And, and, you know, we, we, we talk about it a lot when we're talking about Logan Martin and Lake Martin and some of these, some of these lakes that we have on the Coosa Talapusa that, that don't have much vegetation, uh, very limited vegetation, almost none in some instances. And, you know, I've had biologists on here that have talked about, Hey, there's no difference in growth rate. There's, we've done studies, Auburn's done studies, growth rates, the same, no matter if you got vegetation or not. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. I don't have any information to dispute that. 
But all I do know to dispute that is lakes like Gunnersville that has tremendous amount of grass produces better fishing than the lakes that don't. It's just simple. And and I, I don't know if it just makes it more fishable. It makes the fish stay in a zone that's more catchable. Or if the if it's just the bait fish is the right size because they're they've got more cover, they can get bigger. I don't know what it is, but there's a clear difference on on it. I think it's a little bit of all of the above. You know, your bait, your your yearling fish, your your spawning fish, and then gunners will mat up so bad that half of the the northern end of the lake, like you're not getting a bass boat into those fish. You know, and then that's bait fish. That's bluegill bass i mean all of them all the species it gives them so many more places they can hide i mean if you look out even texas for example and i know they're they do stuff totally different out there than what we do with their research but you look at the lakes that have a ton of standing timber versus the ones that don't and that's a night and day difference yeah so it's more just structure in the lake i can tell you this much stuff if the coosa river had the vegetation that the Tennessee River has in it, it'd give it a run for its money. I agree. I agree. The Coosa is no joke. It's great. It lots is no of, joke. Lots of fish, tons of fish, tons of bait fish. Uh, but you don't see the weights that you that you see in Gunnersville for sure. And that's the difference is one has grass and one doesn't. And, you know, I, we've had... Uh, southeastern pond management on here a lot and norman uh is so smart when it when it comes to managing lakes and and and, you know mate i I was thinking about it as you were talking and maybe the difference is is that like norman says i mean i live on a really steep high long driveway if i put one piece of slice of pizza at the bottom of that driveway and i run down that driveway eat that piece and then run all the way back up to the house i burn almost as much calories as i have is that piece of pizza had in it and even though i ate something i didn't gain any size out of it right because I, I had to expend a lot of energy to get that piece of pizza where if you brought a whole pizza up uh, or even a slice and had it where i didn't have to work for it and it just you know came to me almost then I don't expend the energy and then I put on the weight. And maybe that's the difference with the grass is and, and why you see bigger late weights is that those fish can set up in ambush spots and just wait for the bait to come by them. And where in mm-hmm. on, on the Coosa chain, they're having to chase. They're having to expend a lot of energy to, to run in and out of these bait balls and, and, and to, to get the bait. They can't just sit and ambush it like they can uh, in the grass. Maybe that's the difference, and that's just a theory that I just came up with, so it's probably wrong. There's something that's a difference. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it gives just more more places, more cover, more structure for the bait fish and for, I mean, all the fish. All the fish relate to it. It gives them more cover, and it's just what makes the lake better. Yeah. And you and and, it's, and you can look at it across the southeast, right? I mean, if you look at Gunnersville, it's got a ton of grass. It produces big fish. You go over to Toledo Bend, Sam Rayburn. Uh, Toledo's got tons of standing timber. <clears throat> Sam Rayburn's got tons of hydrilla and, and grass. 
and they catching, I mean, Toledo right now, we talked about it on the last segment. I mean, they're catching 14, 15 pound bass there this year. I mean, they're catching some giants. Big ones, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Anyway, man, look, I know I appreciate you being on. I know I kept you a long time today. I uh, apologize for that. But if you're going to give somebody a tip to come up fish gunners for this weekend, what's the tip going to be? Uh, it's going to be getting back in where where you can think that the fish are going to spawn, you know, whether that be on your electronics or whether that be visually looking. If you say, man, there's a backwater bay, I know some fish spawn back here. Find that and then back out just a little bit. Uh, pick up a lipless, pick up a chatterbait, and then if the pressure goes really high or you get a really bright, sunny day, pick up a Cinco and fling it around and you'll catch some. Good stuff, man. Hey, if somebody wants to book a trip with you, uh, whether it's for the electronics, you know, to learn to set their electronics up and get the most out of it, or whether they want to set up a trip with you to go catch fish, what's the best way for them to contact you? Um, I, I can stay on Facebook a pretty good bit. Um, it's Alabama Elite Fishing Guide on Facebook. I mean, I'm on all of the search engines, Google, Yelp, uh, the whole nine yards. Uh, if you just jump on Google and you put in Alabama Elite Fishing Guide, I'm going to pop up. Uh, my website is uh, abbreviation Alabama, so it's aleletefishingguide.com is my website. It's got everything from posts to recent trips to tips and tricks to fish catches videos and then pricing the whole nine yards is on there so and i personally respond to all those so they can reach out to me there good stuff man we appreciate it jason always love having you back on y'all give him a call book a trip with him uh you won't regret it you'll learn a lot whether it's on the electronics or whether it's about how to catch these fish so be sure and give jason a call thank you buddy we appreciate you being on we'll talk to you soon sounds good man thanks again for the invite all right man thank you all right, guys, let's take a few moments and hear from some of this week's sponsors. AFCO, family owned and operated, AFCO fishing apparel and tackle are designed to handle the harshest elements and help you weather it any day on the water. From cold tournament mornings to the humid summers in Florida, our products are built to handle the extreme. We are proud to hear customer stories about the 20 plus year life cycle of the AFCO products. Visit AFCO.com. That's aftco.com for on the water performance gear also brought to you by photonist defense masters of darkness photonist defense is proud to offer the pd pro line of night vision systems the pd pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the photonist 16 millimeter filmless 4g image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes these ultralight ultra compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image best resolution smallest most transparent halo and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16 millimeter monocular, the PD Pro B 16 millimeter binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. And brought to you by NorthAlabama.org. Are you looking for a real adventure? Whether you are experienced or just a weekend angler looking to land a big one, North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama is home to eight picturesque lakes, Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler, Weiss, Smith, Neely Henry, Lake Gunnersville, and Bear Creek Lakes. Each lake is well stocked with a variety of fish, and in North Alabama, fishing is great year-round. 
For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Great report today. Man, the fishing's still good right now, and it's just getting better. We got this cold front coming. We'll see what it does. Uh, hoping it doesn't set things back too far because the, the fish are setting up nice right now. And uh, whether it's crappie fishing or bass fishing, it is a great time to be on the lake for sure. Kind of that magic time of the year we all wait for, right? We get excited about. So get out there this weekend and enjoy it. And, hey, if you're not fishing this weekend, please come to the first ever Alabama Fishing Expo in Gaston at the Gaston Landing. I'll be there tomorrow on stage. Come by, say hi uh, if you're around, and uh, introduce yourself. Look forward to seeing some of you guys there. But go support these guys this weekend. Let's make this show, help them make it a success. Uh, Definitely something we need here in Alabama. But that's going to be a wrap for this week's show. So if if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review wherever you listen. If you'd like us to email you the show, we'll do it each and every week. All you got to do is text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767. We'll email it to you every week. Stay safe out there, guys. Hope to see y'all in Gaston this week. Talk to y'all later. Hey, guys, this is Brian Sin, and not only am I the host of the Alabama Freshwater Fisher Report, but I am also a land agent for National Land Realty. Hey, you guys already trust me with bringing you the fishing report from around the state of Alabama, but if you have any needs with wanting to sell property or looking for property to purchase, hey, give me a shout. I would love to help you. My number is 601-383-2344. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by... The all-new Alabama Fishing Show is coming to Gaston, Alabama, March the 10th through the 12th. The venue at Coosa Landing on George Wallace Drive. AlabamaFishingShow.com And brought to you by Mallard Bay Outdoors. MallardBay.com is the Airbnb-style marketplace for discovering and booking your next guided hunting and fishing adventures. You can browse trips and prices by state or species. Select the dates you'd like to go, message outfitters, and secure your dates all from one platform, MallardBay.com. Not sure where you want to go yet? Reach out on Instagram or Facebook and they can help you find your dream hunt. And by MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. We also offer high quality, easy to use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King built in the pursuit of perfection and by fish bites for over 20 years fish bites has been helping anglers all along the gulf coast and around the world put fish in the cooler ask for fish bites or fish bites fight club lures or visit fishbites.com fish bites made in the usa and brought to you by hilton's real-time navigator bringing you the highest quality online satellite fishing charts since 2004 your source for sea temps, altimetry, currents, and watercolor at hiltonsoffshore.com. And brought to you by the Alabama Marine Resources Division reminds all recreational anglers possessing gray triggerfish, greater amberjack, or red snapper that they must report these fish through snapper check before they are landed in Alabama. 
For more information about Snapper Check, please visit OutdoorsAlabama.com. And by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. You can save and buy online at GreatDaysOutdoors.com.